here to church on the campus, and of course those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you have chosen to be part of our service this evening, and we pray that it is a blessing to you. Why don't we begin this evening by lifting our hands and our voices and just calling on the Lord, inviting His presence into this place and, and attuning our hearts and our minds with His will. Jesus, we just enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter in with praise. And Lord, we, we make the conscious decision that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So tonight we bring you praise. We bring you thanksgiving. Lord, you brought us safe this far. And so I pray tonight that you would anoint this service, anoint the word of God. Lord, let it be applicable to our minds and our hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord one time. Let's welcome his presence with praise. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it is good to be here. It's always good to be with you. It's always good to be in the presence of the Lord. I do want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving to the kingdom of God. And as always, you can give online and you can also give on your way out in Grand Central uh, in, the, in the foyer there. And so we appreciate your faithfulness and your generosity. A couple of things I do want to remind you of just to take note. Uh, don't forget, gentlemen, uh, this coming Saturday, we have dismissed men's prayer for this Saturday only, so please make a note of that. And then we're very excited that Brother Jerry Hutchison will be speaking in the 11 o'clock service this coming Sunday, and so I uh, want you to make a note of that. Bring somebody with you, and let's come with high expectation for what God will do in the service Sunday. And then finally, mark your calendar for camp meeting, July 6th through 9th. Um, we want everyone that can to go to, to as much of camp meeting as you can, and I know you will be blessed. And I have an observation from the youth camps. It seems like that everybody collectively really missed being on the campgrounds last year, and I don't, I'm not qualified to say, you know, what year was the highest attendance and, and what records were broken or not and all this, but I can just tell you there's a lot of people at the camps, a lot of registered campers, and so uh, I don't know what that means for camp meeting, but I would tell you that if you're planning to go, make your plans immediately, if not sooner, as my dad used to say, uh, so you will be blessed. I, I was just, I marveled at what God did for our students at camp. Uh, I was not able to go to kids camp, but heard great things about it, uh, and, and heard, obviously, as you heard Sunday, several of our kids received the Holy Ghost. In junior camp, I was there for a couple of the nights, and our, our kids just waded right into the service and right into the move of God. And one night in particular, they, they had gotten seats somehow in the crowd. They'd gotten seats, they said, on the second row around the front. And then when the altar call was given, they were all like right in this area, right here, right in front of the, of the pulpit. And uh, we, we were looking for them because we wanted to go pray with them. And so what we did is we just looked up on the screen where the video camera was sweeping the crowd and found them down uh, near the front and went down there and kind of waded through all the, all the kids and prayed with them. But it was just marvelous to see them that plugged in and that just that, you know, wanting to be that close to what God was doing. And then I, I heard a great report from Monday night senior camp. Uh, said the, the Spirit of God moved in a mighty way in the service Monday night. The evangelist led our kids in repentance. And um, as I understand it, he, he said, you know, oftentimes we come to the front and we stand and pray. He said, but tonight we're going to kneel. And he had them all kneel down all over the sanctuary and taught them and led them through repentance. 
and a great move of God ensued, and several of our kids were refilled with the Holy Ghost. So we, we want them to love the campgrounds and what God's doing in, in, in Tioga, and I already know they love what God's doing at Grace Church because they, they're plugged in here as well. So I'm thankful for what God's doing, thankful for the camp season, and uh, we're just going to keep moving forward in the presence of God and seeing what He will do. Amen? Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to Jesus one more time as Pastor comes to teach Bible study tonight. Thank you, Brother Dave. Uh, as always, great to see all of you here tonight. And uh, as always, thank you so very much for coming and uh, for choosing to be at Grace Church on Wednesday night Bible study. It's always uh, an exciting time for me personally. I enjoy Wednesday night Bible study and I appreciate the opportunity to spend uh, some time with you with the Word of God and hopefully to bless your life and uh, enrich your life a little bit more with the teaching of the Word of God. We had a wonderful time here Sunday. Uh, had a wonderful, wonderful uh, turnout here Sunday uh, for Father's Day. and We were thankful for all of our guests that was here. But uh, even more than that, there was a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord here Sunday that uh, we're so, so thankful for. And uh, so God bless you and thank you for being here tonight on Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we'll jump right into our Bible study tonight. And uh, <clears throat> if you'll remember last Wednesday night, uh, I taught a Bible study, uh, taught half of a Bible study, planned to finish it tonight. That's uh, very, very compelling. Uh, I've had uh, more response over last Wednesday night Bible study than any Bible study I remember in the recent past uh, teaching. And uh, we called, we titled our Bible study, Honoring Your Heritage. And it's based off of the fifth commandment, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, to honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And uh, I would like to jump back into that and uh, teach the second part of it. And uh, I felt it was unfortunate that we ran out of time last Wednesday night uh, to finish this study because I felt like we finished on kind of a, almost a negative note, if you will. The reason I'm saying that is because the parental relationship in, in our country, as far as I'm concerned, has deteriorated so much. Uh, at least a comparison to the culture that I grew up in. Um, I, I can't say that parents, my parents, anybody else's parents for that matter, when I was a child, just generally speaking, was real hands-on, but there sure was a lot of structure. Uh, there was a lot of, of discipline. Uh, there was not a lot of gray area in, in most homes. Uh, even though, even during that time, I'm referring to, say, the 60s, 1960s, there was still a lot of upheaval in our country during that time, a lot of rebellion and, that, and, and what have you, but it was mainly because of parental structure, parental discipline, and so on. Well, uh, it doesn't seem to be like that as much nowadays. Uh, parenting has... Uh, in my opinion, put on a completely different mask. Uh, there's a completely different posture. 
than at least what I grew up under. And I'm not saying what I grew up under was right either. But just to compare the two, uh, just uh, parents of our younger children today are really different than, say, my parents were when I was a younger child. And because parenting is different nowadays, um, parents have, I suppose, been guilty of betrayal and trust, and, uh, not being able to trust them. Uh, there's, there's more abuse. There's more negligence, uh, less time spent, less commitment, that kind of thing, and, and statistics will back that up. So I'm teaching this Bible study tonight to remind all of us, regardless of what culture does, the Bible is still the, the ultimate voice. Uh, I believe the Word of God is the ultimate voice. Uh, I, I still believe the Bible knows best, and I think we're all better off when we follow what it teaches, and I don't believe it can be preceded by anything else. I mentioned last Wednesday night, and I'll take a few minutes to review last Wednesday night, and not too long, but I want to jump into our Bible study tonight. But I started out with the uh, very well-known uh, cable TV mogul Ted Turner said the the Ten Commandments were outdated. They're they're not they're not relevant anymore, and uh, was written at a different time, and we live in a different time from when it was written, and so on. And I. Uh, I'd strongly disagree with that statement, obviously. We also commented last Wednesday night, and I think it's noteworthy, that where the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God, the latter six has to do with our relationship with each other. Well, the first of the latter six has to do with our parents. It doesn't say parents with your children, but it has children with your parents. It, it comes from the, the, the child point of view that, that this is the way children need to look at their parents instead of parents looking at their children a certain way and that's that's very interesting to me and uh, I made the statement that I do believe it's impossible to properly obey the last six commandments until you've obeyed the first four I wanted to make that statement to make this one again I said it last Wednesday night and if they can find it they can throw it on the screen it is impossible to properly obey the last six commandments until you've obeyed the first four. And I believe this is why unchurched people or even people with church background that don't believe the church stuff as much as they used to kind of thing. This is why unchurched people who seek counseling for family problems find it so hard to make changes because they do not have an inner spiritual relationship with God to help them and assist them with their family relationships so in short I believe God intended that the home is the principal place for spiritual emotional and moral training our parents are or at least should be our first teachers and if they do that well then they certainly deserve all the honor in the world so parents can be defined as three kinds of people in our lives there are biological parents, there's legal parents, and then there's nurturing parents. And my concern in our current culture is the nurturing part is not where it should be, uh, in my opinion. 
So why did God give this commandment? Why did he give the fifth commandment? First of all, to teach that respect begins in the home. I'd have all of our parents understand, especially our parents of younger children, or if you're planning to have children, that the home is the birthplace of a child's self-esteem, that is their view of themselves. It's the birthplace for respect, for authority, that is their view of others. And it is the birthplace of values. That's their view of God and life in general. And I think the, 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 the parents, especially with, with younger children at home, must understand that. Uh, if you do, it'll help you tremendously in raising your children with discipline and also with structure. I also taught last Wednesday night, and I found this to be true, and it is so, so very important to me I've, because I've done counseling so much of it through the years. If we want to have a right relationship with God, it's, it's, it's necessary that we have a right relationship with our parents. And I'm going to go into more of that tonight as to how that can be done when so many have such a rocky relationship with their parents. I also mentioned last Wednesday night that the Bible says to love God. It teaches us to love the stranger. It teaches us to love our neighbor. But nowhere does it specifically command us to love our parents. But it does say to honor our parents. And again, we're going to talk about more of that tonight that will, that will hopefully will help you understand better. Um, we're commanded to honor our parents because it's the best way to compensate for the tension-filled parent-child relationship in which love may sometimes take a beating. It's sometimes really difficult for a child to understand that my parents love me based on the way they're treated by their parents. Sometimes they're not loved, and sometimes the way parents treat children is not showing love. But sometimes when parents discipline and what have you, I know I went through it. Uh, I've been whipped with a belt and a hairbrush, uh, my shoe, numbers of things. And at the moment, I've always thought to myself, if this is how mom and daddy love me, then they sure have messed up the meaning of love. But looking back in retrospect, uh, I think it produced a fine man. I'm kidding about that. But uh, I, I have understood the importance of discipline and what have you. Uh, to honor someone means to add weight or it could literally mean value. And so you honor your parents or you give them greater value when you understand what they've given you. And that is the ability to live your life here on this planet and to take your life and impact the lives of others with it. And for that, they can be honored. For that, they can be honored. We need to understand that there are no perfect parents. Parents may mess up everything after our birth, but they're still worthy of honor as the earthly source of our lives. We talked about that last Wednesday night. If you haven't, if you weren't here, would like to go back and watch it. I'd really appreciate it if you did. Uh, we talked about how I relate to my parents, how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship, and I was very passionate about this last Wednesday night, that I've, I've done enough counseling, I've done enough research, and I've done enough study that if, you're, if your relationship with your parents is not right or at least reconciled to some degree of peace and comfort in your mind, then every relationship you have after that is going to suffer. It just does. Um, 
anybody would like to talk to me about that more in the future, I'd be happy to do it. So let's jump into our Bible study for tonight. will be the second half of this, honoring your heritage. The question that you may be asking, if you're not, I'll ask it for you, is how should I honor my parents? Everybody needs to listen very carefully to this, to this point. How should I honor my parents? Well, first of all, the first part of that answer is it depends on what stage of life you're in because you apply this command a bit differently in each stage of your life. I gave an example. Number one, as a child, I honor my parents by obeying and respecting them. All of us have seen or heard of the bumper sticker that to parents it says to be nice to your children because they'll be picking out your nursing home one day. And uh, that's a true statement. I've kind of lived long enough to consider that myself, that, man, have I been nice enough? What, what is Casey and Marcus going to, where are they going to stick me one of these days? Um, somebody said, humor thy father and mother. They haven't written their wills yet. Uh, that is something to consider. But the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's the first commandment God gave of the ten. It's the first one that came with promise. And he said in verse 3, that it might be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. The Bible teaches that as long as your parents are providing for you, you're to obey them. Do what they say willfully, pleasantly, and immediately. And all the children in the sanctuary tonight that do that, raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. Uh, regardless of your age, the things that I have just said does not change until you're out on your own. You still have an obligation if your parents are still providing for you, supporting you, then you're to obey them. Um, I enforce that at home. I used to tell my kids, when you start paying the, the house bill and the electric bill and the water bill and all that, you have a little say-so in this house. But until then, uh, you're going to do what mom and dad says. For the most part, they did. So one part of the loving obligation, I want all of our parents of younger children to please listen. To this segment. One part of the loving obligation of a parent is discipline. Everybody say discipline. Discipline requires instruction, reinforcement, and sometimes punishment. Never abuse. Never abuse. Even when children don't like their parents' discipline, they're still to obey it. I did, whether I liked it or not. But the wise man said in Proverbs 13, and everyone needs to consider this, in Proverbs 13, verse 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. One translation, the NLT said, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves that you do not love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. Proverbs 19, 18 said, To chasten thy son while there is hope, 
and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Again, the NLT said, discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you'll ruin their lives. The wise man said in Proverbs 15, verse 5, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. One translation said, Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Another translation said, A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but discipline will drive it away. Not too long I observed a parent watching their child stand in front of them, screaming, throwing a fit, and they did this like I don't know what to do. I wanted to say, give me five minutes, and I will give you, parent, some instruction on what to do in a case like that. Um, How should I honor my parents? So as a child, I honor them by obeying them and respecting them. And then as a young person, the way you honor your parents is by accepting and appreciating them. The older you get, you start to see, the more you start to see the faults of your parents. It becomes important for you to learn to accept them in spite of their weaknesses. And this is a hard transition for parents to make. Aha, they're catching on to me. I'm inconsistent in how I correct them. I'm inconsistent in how I communicate with them. I'm inconsistent in how I show my love for them. I'm inconsistent on how I treat them. When they start catching on to that, as a parent, it's a very difficult transition to make. So as a young person, seeing and beginning to realize the faults of your parents, it's important for you to learn to accept them in spite of their weaknesses. Why should I accept them? First of all, you're stuck with them. That's not a great answer, but it is nonetheless the truth. You don't get to put your parents up for adoption and then adopt new parents. Parents can put their kids up for adoption, but I don't know about kids putting their parents up for adoption. Probably some of you may think that'd be a great idea. You can talk to some lawyers about it and see what you can do. I'm saying that in jest, of course. But the second thing you need to realize, young person who may be realizing the faults of your parents, is that you're not perfect either. Victims are not perfect. They're still just victims. And we need to remember that. Acceptance does not, it does not mean pretending that your parents are perfect or not. It's not ignoring their mistakes or even agreeing with all they've done. Acceptance, give you what acceptance is. Acceptance, number one, is appreciating that God used my parents to bring me into this world. Realizing that regardless of their, parent, their, their parental skills, they gave me something that nobody else could give me. The gift of a life to live. I talked to somebody recently about that who has a very difficult relationship with both parents, a very challenging 
relationship with both parents, but I, and, and they asked this, this question, how can I appreciate my parents when, when they've been so horrible to me all of my life? I said, because they gave you a life that you can use, and now you're taking your life and you're impacting so many other people with it positively that if you were not here, the people you've impacted may not be impacted the way they've been impacted by you so, or by anyone else. So I, I believe with all of my heart that your parents gave you the gift of a life to live and to live it to impact the lives of others. The wise man said in Proverbs 19.26, He that wasteth his father and chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and reproach. The Living Bible said it this way, A son who mistreats his father or mother is a public disgrace. So you can also accept your parents by not only appreciating them, but believe it or not, listening to them. But listen very carefully before you cease listening to me. You can listen to what this is as a younger or as a young person that's old enough to see the inconsistencies, maybe some faults and whatnot in your parents. This is listening to what your parents have to say, not despising their advice. Even when you reach an age where you're no longer bound by it, it's disagreeing without being disagreeable. Okay, Mom and Dad, you've said your piece. I appreciate it. I've heard it. But I'm going to make the, a decision in another direction. You, you can do that as a younger person when you're no longer under their care or support and what have you. The Bible said in Proverbs 23, the NLT says, To listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother's experience when she is old. The third thing you can do, and this is going to be the hardest part, but if you want to accept your parents, the third thing is forgiving them. Forgiving my parents for the times that they may have hurt me. Knowing that it is a fact of life that we often hurt those we love the most, both intentionally and unintentionally. The Bible said in Proverbs 20, verse 20, if you curse your parents... Your life will end like a lamp that goes out in the dark. I mentioned last Wednesday night that the Bible has answers for this. And, and where we can justify a horrible attitude and all that kind of stuff and distance ourselves from our parents. There's, there's people here tonight that you may know who they are, you may not. But most there, there's a lot of people here tonight that in one way or another have struggled with the relationship they have with their parents or the lack thereof. And I'm trying to, I want to help you tonight reconcile with some of these issues you don't win by going to your grave bitter against your parents you'll never win by doing that but there has to be some level of reconciliation in your mind as to what happened and why I've challenged someone recently to again very broken very broken home very very broken home with broken parents bad broken parents um, I encourage them to try to do as much study as you could into your parents' lives and find out what happened to them as a child. Who knows? I'm not trying to point a finger of blame. Just have you, have you understand that maybe your daddy was why he was the way he was because of something happened to him, and maybe the same applies to your mom. I told this person. Today it's not as popular to honor your parents as it is to go lie on a psychiatrist's couch and blame them for all of your problems. But listen to Pastor tonight. Bitterness is self-destructive. It always hurts you more than the person you're bitter against. 
Somebody said one time that bitterness destroys the vessel that contains it. So regardless of who your parents are and what they did or didn't do, you can at least appreciate what they believe to be their effort and their sacrifice on some level. I want to ask a question, and it's not appropriate at this point in Bible study, but I couldn't find another place to put it. I think all of you here tonight that are parents realize that parenting is very, very difficult. It's very time-demanding. It's an energy-draining job. It's a challenge to be a parent, especially nowadays. But have you ever considered how much easier your parents' life would have been if they hadn't had you? I didn't mean for that to hit that hard. I just feel like I just slugged everybody here tonight with a ball bat. Have you ever considered that parenting is also expensive? This is what I find out in this parenting child thing, is that parents who have children relate parenting to their children and, and all the, the to do with parenting their children, but they don't go backwards with that, that their parents may have had some issues or worse issues when you were a child at home and people don't think that backwards how many parents here tonight have discovered that parenting is expensive it costs a lot of money well nobody is this is just like last Wednesday night and nobody moving a muscle <clears throat> when a couple chooses to have kids where's Nate and Courtney they are choosing to do without some other things it has been estimated today in America looked it up this afternoon that it will cost the average parents about $250,000 to raise a child from an infant to 17 years old. It's going to cost you, what is that, a quarter of a million dollars to raise a kid. And then when you look at them at 17 and scratch your head and say, were they worth all that money? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. One dad going in for church directory photos said to the photographer, why don't you have my sons put their hands in my pockets? It'll look more natural. <clears throat> I've learned that there's four stages in a dad's life. It's when he believes in Santa Claus, and then he doesn't believe in Santa Claus, then he is Santa Claus, and then he looks like Santa Claus. I know it's going to be really difficult for some folks here tonight, but surely... You can appreciate your dad if for no other reason he gave you a life to live so that you can impact the lives of others with it. Maybe that wasn't his intention, but God made it that way. Appreciate your dad in all four stages of the Santa Claus thing. The wise man said, when your mother is old, show her your appreciation. The third part of this is, as an adult, I honor my parents by affirming them and not abandoning them. Now, I'm going to say some things here tonight that's going to have parents hooping and hollering and yeah, yeah, rah, rah, but I'm not done. So I'm just, I'm giving y'all just be being fair. For many parents, the older they get, the less respect they get. All of their affirming friends have started to die off, which in case you didn't know, the obituary section in the newspaper is for elderly people to find out when their friends die because they hadn't heard from them in years. I've seen my mom and dad do that. Read the obituary section on Sunday and say, Oh, honey, did you know that so-and-so died? We ain't heard from him in 25 years, but I remember him when blah, blah, blah. And 
That's why it's in the newspaper. But all of their affirming friends start to die off. They're no longer wanted in the marketplace for their skills and wisdom. Their grown children are too busy with their own families, and so they come to live sometimes very lonely lives. Your parents have a desperate need to know that they made a positive contribution to your life, and they need some affirmation, and God says that he wants you to affirm them for the rest of your life. All the flowers in the world at their funeral won't do them any good. Maybe we should affirm our parents now. Felt like I did uh, even as a kid with my dad in my older years with my, with my mother. But the Bible said in Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. So how do you affirm your parents? You can stay in touch with them. You can share certain details of your life with them. And you can seek their counsel sometimes on major decisions that you may be having to face in your own life. It is a shameful tragedy in our society that busy families are abandoning the aged to die all alone. And your parents cared for you when you were dependent and caring for them at the other end of that cycle of life is it's your responsibility. The Bible teaches that the way you treat your elderly parents is a demonstration of your true faith. And I want to say something very loud and very clear here tonight. Be careful how you treat your parents because you're giving your children a real live example on how to treat you when you're older. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they need help, especially his own family, has no right to say he is a Christian. Such a person is worse than a heathen, the Bible said. In verse 4 of that same chapter, he said, Their first responsibility is show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God very much. Jesus made arrangements for the care of his mother as he hung dying for the whole entire world on the cross. But I want to have a word with our parents here tonight. In light of I just said, of what I just said, the Living Bible Translation of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with a loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. So parents, if you want to be honored by your children when you're older, you must be honorable yourself. Meaning, in very slang terms here tonight if you will don't drive your kids crazy by being unreasonable by being selfish and thinking only of yourself I want to give somebody some advice here tonight and apply it wherever it needs to be applied but do not talk negatively or criticize your kids to your other kids put two and two together because if you're going to criticize my brother Johnny to me then don't have me think for one second that you're not going to consider criticize me to my brother Johnny. Just trying to help some folks here tonight. And do not try to make your child into another one of you. To be very kind here tonight, one of you is plenty. Bible teaches that the key to good parenting is loving discipline. 
Every child here tonight needs to learn that disobedience brings pain and obedience brings freedom. When our kids were older and entering their young teenage years, I, always, I, I taught them hard. Sister Murphy and I both did. I'll trust you with everything I've got until you give me a reason not to. And it seemed to work very well in our home for the most part. But as a Christian parent, your number one goal should be to ensure that your kids come to know Jesus as soon as they're old enough to understand and do not rest until all of your family is serving God. And when you put secular things ahead of a relationship with God in the eyes of your children, you're making the biggest mistake on the planet, and there's a long line of parents with grown children that will testify to that. The kingdom comes first. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what. So for some of you tonight, and I say from the bottom of my heart, this may be a very painful message. It's still Bible, and it still, in my opinion, needs to be taught. May be a very painful message. It is easy to honor your parents if they've been good, godly people, but some of you have had parents that hurt you deeply and have devastated your life. The Bible said that there is severe judgment for child abuse and neglect. Jesus said, if anyone causes one of these little ones who trust in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around their neck. That's what the Bible said. That's what Jesus said. So tonight, how do I honor a parent who was dishonorable to me? How do I do that? I want to say tonight as kindly and as compassionately as I can, and those of you that know me fairly well know that I am, but you reach a point in your adult life with various parental situations to you don't fake it anymore. You face it. You face what happened. You don't gloss it over or deny the pain anymore. Don't repress it or make excuses for your parents' wrongs. There are many, many people, perhaps some people here tonight, that are still carrying unfinished business with your parents. Just the thought of it can bring tears to your eyes and pain to your heart. You still react to your parents, maybe venting your anger on your own family or friends. Because you never resolved or reconciled with what happened between you and your mom and dad. I'd like to remind all of us here tonight that if you're still angry with a parent years later, you're still allowing that parent to control your life. It takes a courageous decision, and I've seen many, many people do it. Sister Murphy and I both have. It takes a courageous decision to face the issue. But you cannot get on with your life until you release the anger and somehow, with the help of God and the help of his church, move past it. You can even make the wrongs right while there's still time to attempt reconciliation. But if you can't talk to your parents because of death, chemical dependency, mental illness, etc., you can at least talk it over with a Christian friend or even your pastor and help get partial relief from it. But above all else, you stop the cycle. Whatever happened with you and your parents, please don't repeat it with you and your children. Stop the cycle. I can say here tonight that there's folks here tonight and, and a bunch of folks here tonight that I have had this conversation with you. And Sister Murphy and I have done our best to walk through this very difficult time. 
of when your parents came up short. I can assure you tonight that God knows the pain that you feel. And he can help you overcome it. There's people here tonight that God is helping overcome the pain. I'm going to say this with my head down. I don't want anybody to think I'm looking at any particular person. But there's someone here tonight. I do not know how mentally and emotionally they have survived the parental rejection and heartbreak that they've been served to all their life. But I do know this. A strong relationship with God has helped tremendously to heal the pain and to minister some degree of comfort. And for that, I'm thankful. And even God can bring some good out of it if you'll let him. And I've seen and I'm seeing people do that. There's some wonderful, wonderful people that I know tonight that's had very, very difficult parental relationships. And they are amazing people because they've allowed God and the church to help them overcome it. So if your parents abandoned you, you're a special person to God. For the Bible says that God assumes responsibility for abandoned children. In Psalm 27, verse 10, the psalmist said, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me. And I have learned that your church is a family that will last longer than your physical family. In terms of eternity, it's far more important. If you have hurts in your life because of your upbringing, get involved in the family of God here at Grace Church. And you can become a part of a family that's stable, strong, secure, and very loving. I want to share a poem with you in conclusion tonight. The title of it is God's Design. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're precious, a perfect, unique design. Call God special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had are the ones he chose. No matter how you may feel, you're custom designed with that plan in mind. Your life bears the master seal. The trauma you faced wasn't easy. God wept that it hurt you so. But it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness, you would grow you are who you are for a reason you've been formed by the master's rod you are who you are beloved because there is a God so God bless all of you tonight God bless all of you tonight and I hope that somehow all of us can reconcile to some degree in our mind no matter what the strength and weaknesses are with our relationship with our parents, whatever it may be, that we can walk out of here tonight at least honoring them because they gave you a beautiful gift called life to live so that your life may impact others. Shall we stand?
was teaching a home Bible study a number of years ago, and I was teaching the new birth in John chapter 3, and just this huge light came on in my head that when we experience natural birth and all this parent stuff and unbringing and all that kind of stuff, it occurred to me that God's terminology for change and conversion could not have been better when he called it a new birth. Not just a new life, but a new birth. You give the glorious, esteemed privilege to begin a brand new life in the kingdom of God and having all of your past under the blood and having the blood of Jesus to heal everything that you'll face in your future. And I've seen him do that in the lives of so very many people. Father, tonight we're thankful for your grace, your kindness, your love here tonight. We're thankful that your arms are firmly around all of us that all of us are deeply settled in the palm of your hand. And time would not allow to try to even to, to describe God if it were even appropriate the suffering and heartache and heartbreak that people have suffered at the hands of mom and dad. But you promised when mom and dad forsake me that you would bear us up. And I've seen you do it a thousand times. And for that I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your guidance, your direction, your ever-abiding spirit that gives us hope, that gives us comfort, that gives us healing, that gives us reconciliation. And I pray tonight that as folks go to bed tonight and they stare at the ceiling and maybe tears run down their face one more time, that the presence of the Lord would invade their room and you would hold them up in your arms and say, maybe mom and dad didn't love you the way you should have been loved, but I love you more than anybody could ever love you. Let somebody hear the voice of God in their life because they need that affirmation, they need that comfort, and they need that strength. Bless Grace Church tonight. Bless every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl. I pray that you would bless these folks tonight and give them that blessed assurance that we're in the hands of God and eternity is going to erase all the pain anyway. We thank you for it. We appreciate you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. Love you so much. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.